Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, man, I'm telling you what. Does that song just like, that just to get you going? Does it get you worked up, man? Let me ask you this. Do you believe what you just sang? Come on, think about it, man. Come on, man. This is the test, man. Do you believe what we just sang? We just sang of, 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 of a complete fullness of the gospel, man. Uh, you know, God becoming a man, all right, being crucified, rose up, a lion, man. Just do, do we believe all of this stuff and that he's coming back for us? Do we believe all that? Here's a crazy question. I got a bunch of them for you today, man. <laughs> all right. Is it? Is what you believe, is it believable coming from you? <laughs> Man, it was just a minute ago, <laughs> right? Is what you believe, man, is it believable coming from you? All right, is it believable beyond this auditorium? All right, is it believable to your family? Is it believable to your dad? Is it believable to your mom? I mean, at least coming from you, do they believe that you believe this? All right, I mean, can they see that you believe this? Can your wife see that you believe this? Can your husband see that you believe this? Can your children see that you believe this? Can your parents see that you believe this, man? Can you look in the mirror and see? that you believe this. Yes. Come on. Do you know what you believe? Do you know what you know to be true about this gospel? That we didn't create this thing, man, that God created this planet, that every human being is created by God in the image of God, all right, for his glory. Do you believe that? that we have been separated from God because of our rebellious sin, because of our sin, because of sin. Let's just call it sin. Amen. You don't save money to, 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 to make mistakes. You save money to make, to do sin. All right. I mean, you know what I mean? Not, not, not just the only reason you save money. Just, that came out wrong. You know what I'm talking about, man. All right. Do you believe that, that because of our sin, that, that God became a man, Jesus, do you believe that, that, that he walked this earth healing and teaching and doing many miracles? Do you believe that he was crucified, that he chose to be crucified, all right, that he chose to be killed, murdered, all right, for your sin and our sin to pay a debt that he didn't know because we owed a debt that we could never satisfy? Do you believe that he actually died up on that cross. Do you believe that he was taken down from that cross, a dead man, and put into a dead man's grave? All right, do you believe that he stayed there for three days? And do you believe that he got up? <laughs> and do you believe that he is still up? our God, our King, our Savior, our Jesus. And do you believe that he's coming back? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Come on, man. Come on. You see, this is important, right? This is important because what you believe about his story will determine how you live out your story. Do you get that? So do you trust God with every part of your story or are you just trying to trust him with the end? 
He's coming back. There's heaven. We're all going to be there. Are you just trying to trust him with that? Or are you trying to trust him with every part of your story and not just the end? You see, trust is, is known most when it's needed most. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Our faith. Is it believable? Number one, is it believable to you? You don't have to convince God if anything's believable. He knows what is true and what is untrue, period. All right? It ain't like, man, no, really, Lord, really, watch, just watch. It ain't, it ain't about that. He already recognizes. He already knows. He already sees. He's already got this, man, and that's what I'm trying to tell you. But I believe our faith is most believable to us when we have to believe it. There's so much going on right now in the world right now, and we need to know if we can believe this. We need to know if we do. And so we're in this series called Faith for Exiles, all right? And, and in this series, we're, we're challenging the book of 1 Peter in our life, and we're also challenging to look at Peter's life and to see that we weren't that different from him, all right? Just try and follow the Lord, just try and follow Jesus, try and lead others to Christ. And so I'm going to ask you to do something, all right, that uh, we don't do a lot around here, but we've done once in a while. And so I want to catch you up to speed of where we're at. If you haven't been here, where we're at, we're in the book of 1 Peter. All right, so if you're watching online, all right, open your Bible right now. We'll give you a little bit of time to open up to 1 Peter chapter 1. We haven't made it that far. We're in, we're in the fourth sermon in this series, and I think we're all the way up to verse 6, all right? But we're going to make some traction today. All right, and so um, open up your scriptures. I'm, I'm going to have scriptures. We'll have it on the screen, all right? Um, but what I would like us to do, because I'm going to read where we've been to get to where we are. But in order to do that, I would love for you to stand up right now just for the reverence and reading of God's word. I, we don't do this a lot, man. But I would like you just to stand with us as we read in First Peter chapter 1. We're going to read to verse 9. Today we're going to start in verse 6. All right, and we'll be in verse 6, 7, 8, and 9, but, but let's just read where we've been. Father, this is your word, Lord God, and we just pray in the mighty name of Christ Jesus that the public reading of your word, Lord God, that, we, that we, Father, we just pray, Lord God, Holy Spirit, have your way. First Peter chapter 1, words are going to fly all over the place for a little bit, but you, you'll recognize it, It'll, you'll, you'll catch it, you'll see your story intersecting in this story. First Peter chapter 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Those towns probably mean nothing to you, but what he's saying is, I'm talking to the church. He's talking to us. According to what God already knew, the foreknowledge of God the Father, and the cleansing and sanctifying work of his Holy Spirit, for obedience to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and for the sprinkling of his blood, because we can't do all this, he had to do it for us. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. 
You who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now here's our verses. Here's where we're starting today. In this, this salvation, all right, that we believe in, in this hope, in this living hope, all right, he says, in this you rejoice. We're pretty happy about that coming back thing. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, can anybody relate, you, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the testing of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you don't see him right now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that you can't even express and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. I mean, when it's all said and done, all right, we're going to be there with him in, in the end of all things. And we love claiming that. And that is a hope, an eternal hope that we have. My question is, again, do you believe this? Do you believe what we just read? Do you, do you want to believe this? Because I know that some people here, man, this is checking this out. You know what I mean? You're like, I don't even know. All right? and if I, if I, if I'm just trying to see what's up right here. But I would challenge you, man, if you truly believe this, all right, that he will be there in the end of all things. And why is it so hard to live like you believe he's right here in the middle of all things? This is where we challenge ourselves. Because a lot of us here, are here today, right? A lot of us are here, man, to, to, to strengthen our faith. And, and a lot of us are here maybe even to discover some faith, man. Maybe, maybe you're here to see if this thing is even real. And the truth is, man, here's the truth, that there's a struggle of your story. The struggle of your story, your everyday story, not your weekend, I'm going to church thing, all right? But the struggle of your story, that's where this discovery and this strengthening actually happens, where faith is tried and where faith is found, amen? Come on, come on, you gotta understand what I'm talking about. We're coming here, we're celebrating together, man. We're recognizing, oh, they like Jesus, cool, me too, all right? And we're kind of just singing all these songs together, man. And we're hearing some encouragement. Right, and then it's cool. And right now, you guys think you're hot? Come under these lights, okay? <laughs> I'm like, what the? I'm going to end up pouring this all over my head. Flash dance. All right, anyways, never mind. See, if you've been around in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. Anyways, <laughs> I just broke something. All right. <laughs> but it's in the struggle where we're strengthened. Think about it. It's in the struggle where we discover where our trust truly lies, right? There's a cat named John Feinberg, not was or is. He's a, he's a, he's a professor. He's a, a theologian, a philosopher, wrote in a ton of books, mostly on, on the idea of suffering and then the presence of evil and stuff like that. And uh, he, uh, he, he, he got his degree, I believe, out of the University of Chicago. 
and basically his, you know, most of his doctrinal work was done on, on the idea of, of suffering and, and, and evil, right? And he was collaborating, he collaborated with a bunch of other people, and he wrote this book, and it was called The, the Goodness of God, a Suffering in the Goodness of God. And in his part, he wrote in there, all right, his, some of his early experiences with pain and with suffering. And this is a man of God. This is a guy, this is a guy who says, yeah, I believe, you know, the end of the story, man. And, and, you know, and here's what he's writing. He writes this. He says, I was raised around people who suffer. Does anybody here have to suffer through anything? Raise your hand if you had to deal with some stuff and you're like, dang, this is not cool, right? All right, right on. We got this. So we're all, we're all talking to each other. All right. He says, look, I was raised around people who suffered greatly. My mother had one of the most, one, one physical, one, my mother had one physical problem after another. And in this, and this in part sparked my interest at an early age in the problem of pain and suffering. In seminary, I wrote my master of divinity thesis on the book of Job, which is just basically this good guy suffering like all kinds of crazy. All right. It says, my doctoral dissertation even focused on the problems of evil and led to my book, The Many Faces of Evil. And here's what he, he, he says. If anyone had thought about this and was prepared to face affliction, it was me. Kind of a little prideful, but this is what he said. Later, he would tell about how unprepared he was mentally and even physically for the struggles that he and his family would have to face. Because later, he would discover that his wife was diagnosed with Huntington disease. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty crazy disease because it just, you, you, you start to, you're, you're, your brain just starts to de deteriorate prematurely at an early age. And there's physical and, and, and both um, psychological junk that takes place, man. Physically, you, you start to lose, you know, uh, uh, control of your bodily movements, your motor skills. Psychologically, you start to have this uh, very, very early age memory loss. And then, and then clinical depression. And even sometimes you start to, to hallucinate and then you start to suffer from paranoid schizophrenia. All this, just in your 30s. Because that's what's even crazier about this disease is, it, is the symptoms don't usually show up till you're about 30 years old. And here they are, married, and they have like three kids. And when, when the symptoms start throwing up, showing up at about 30 years old, then you start to realize that you only have like 10 to 20 years left to live. And it's kind of a crazy, horrible life. But here's what was even more crazy. They had three kids, and, and in order, and it's a genetic disease, and in order to, to pass it on, it only, you only need it, it only needs to be present in one of the parents. So now they're looking at their three kids, realizing that each of them have a 50% chance of, of having this disease. Now, Feinberg admits of, of, of all the studying, of all the, the intellectual, you know, uh, the knowledge that he had acquired and, and pain and suffering and all these things and the theses and all the stuff that he had written. He says, he says, now finally they became meaningless compared to what he needed most. He would go on to say, man, that what I needed most was not the intellect that I had been studying throughout the years. What I needed most was guidance in my faith. Guidance in my faith. 
in his own words, he said, I just needed pastoral guidance. We question, all right, what we know when what we know gets put to the test, don't we? We question what we believe to be true when what we believe to be true is put in question. We say that we have all this great faith, yet when our faith is put to the test, we begin to question our faith. I gotta ask you a real scary question, and you're probably not gonna like it. But we need to ask it, can a person say he or she has great faith if they've never had to use it? Pastor Blake, I quote him all the time on this, man. We we, want to see miracles. We just don't want to need one. Right? Right? And and I'm I'm looking at this because I believe this is where the area of scripture we're in today just kind of takes us. Can a person say he or she has great faith in God if they've never had to use it? How can they know if it's not put to the test? How can I know if I, if I can't lift something if I've never tried? How can I know if I can't accomplish something if I've never put it to, you know, how, how can we know? As we move forward, I want to clarify with this statement. All right, and this would be a kind of a running statement, but I want to clarify this because people can easily get what we're going to talk about today extremely twisted. And I want you to get this all twisted, man. Because we're talking about suffering and how God uses suffering to test us sometimes and stuff like that. And I just want to clarify that not all suffering is to test your faith, but all suffering will put your faith to the test. Did you hear me? Not all suffering is God, you know, saying we're going to test your faith. Ready? Go. But I believe all suffering will put our faith to the test. I truly believe this. I, I let me flesh this out a little bit more. I believe that I had the coronavirus. I, you know, some of you guys know that. You know, um, been, you know, clear almost two months now. <laughs> because you're like, wait, dude, I totally shook your hand right when I walked in. Calm down. It's cool. All right. All right. Um, I believe that, that, that for me, understand. Ready? Ready? Hold on. I believe I, Ernie Jeriki, all right, um, taco loving Mexican, I believe got the coronavirus. But I believe it was, it was to test and bring me to my faith and bring me and develop my faith. I believe that's what it was for me. I do not say That's why everybody is getting it. I am not saying that's why it's here on the planet. I'm not saying any of that, so don't get it twisted. You understand? I'm talking about me. All right? I'm talking about why I had to deal with this because, like I mentioned, it got really, really dark those first couple of days because I'm tripping because my doctor said, do not get this. You have some (laughs) stuff going on in here, and you're not supposed to have that. It's going to be a problem for you. So when I got it, I'm like, uh, uh, I'm kind of tripping, right? And I'm thinking, okay, what, what morning am I going to wake up and I'm going to have to rush to the hospital? I, like, you know, and I, I, I'm so, I'm not trying to be just sensitive to it too. I know I have people that I know that are not here no longer because of this junk. But for me, God told me, man, what are you going to do? You're going to worry or you're going to worship? You're going to worry or you're going to worship? And put my faith to the test. And I told the Lord, you know what, Lord? Live or die 
I'm going to worship because I ain't going to die worrying. You understand? Praise the Lord. Amen. I believe that not all suffering is to test your faith, but I believe all suffering will put your faith to the test. I know that there's a lot of people in the world doing some really sick stuff to other people, and I don't believe they're doing it to test our faith, but I believe what they're doing will put our faith to the test. And so many times we look at the things that people are doing in the world, and we're saying, how can God allow that to happen? And God is saying, that's, are you, and I look at it like this per- personally, maybe I'm going to put words in God's, in God's mouth, but I'll, put, I'll come out of my mouth. When I hear people say, I can't believe how God is allowing this to happen, I say, why, how is the church allowing this to happen? Because not all suffering is, is God testing our faith, but I believe all suffering will put our faith to the test. And there is human suffering taking place in the world right now that needs our attention, needs our attention, human trafficking, needs our attention. You're like, no, man, that's way over there. No, man, it's happening right around the block. All right? Drug addiction. Well, it ain't happening in my house, but I guarantee you, you know somebody whose house it is happening in. All right? You know, just pain, suffering, all kinds of, even natural disasters, even sicknesses and stuff like that. We, the church, this is our responsibility. Not all suffering is to test your faith. But all suffering will put your faith to the test. And I truly believe that some things happen because God is challenging us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 says this. We should probably get on with the sermon. Dang, there's a lot to go. All right. <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right. Father, is your word, Lord God. Again, guide us, Lord God, for your glory. So he's talking about this eternal salvation, this, this hope, this living hope that we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all right? This hope that is kept in heaven, undefiled, all right? And, you know, unfading glory that, that he holds on to us, is kept for you, that we're being guarded, that he guards us with through our faith, all right? And this, this hope, right, until we obtain, you know, the salvation of our souls, right? And it's pretty amazing. He says, he says, in this you rejoice. And we do, we did. We went, yeah, right on. You know what I mean? Though now, though now, though right here, right now, we're talking about this whole, the theme of this whole eternity, all right? Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Some of us look at that for a little while, pfft, but in comparison to eternity, everything's a little while. Our life is a little while. James says our life is like a vapor. It's here, it's gone. And we're with him or we're not. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. We rejoice in the end of our faith, right? But if necessary, we may still need to be reminded that we have faith. And I think this is important for us. 
Because when craziness gets involved in your life, when stress, this idea of of grief, this distress and unhappiness and and this idea of trial, literally, he's not just talking about suffering so much. He's saying these opportunities of examination. You know what a trial is? A trial is where they examine somebody and say, is this person guilty or not guilty? And this trial that he's speaking of here, is there faith or is there not faith? And then you see the test results aren't, aren't so much... For, for, for God. God's not up there going, hmm, uh, that's what I thought. Yeah. Wow, surprised by that one. Yeah, wow, good job. You know what I mean? I, God, God's not, the tests aren't for, for, for our benefit. I mean, for his, for his benefit. I, I believe that, that, he, that he's, he's challenging us to recognize, will, we, will, will our hope for tomorrow, all right, get us through the grief of today? Because not all suffering, all right, is to test your faith, but all suffering will put your faith to the test. And he shares this. Look, at, let's just kind of read this together. Verse Peter, verse 1, uh, 6 and 7. Let's read both of these together, all right? In this you rejoice, that, that eternal, all right? And then though now for a little while, it might be necessary that you need to be, you see if you even have faith, all right, that you need to see it and check Check this out, all right? And then he says, he says, um, you know, so you've been grieved by various trials, so that, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes. Gold is the most durable, pretty much one of the most durable materials on the planet. But he's saying your, your faith is far more, needs to be far more durable. How durable is your faith? So that your, your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I believe First Peter was written by Peter, and he was there with Jesus. And we know all these different stories that took place with Jesus. But I believe there, that maybe Peter, when he was writing this, was, was, was re- remembering a time when his faith was challenged. I don't know if you ever remember some of the stories, uh, if you read the Gospels. If not, read the Gospels. You need to read this. All right? And there was a story where, where Jesus was, was preaching, and he was teaching, and he was hanging out in a boat. All right? And then, uh, and then Jesus says this, man. Actually, it's in Mark. I'll put it up there. In Mark uh, chapter 4, verse 35, he says, uh, when, he, when, when, it, when the evening had come, he said, let's go across to the other side. He said, let's go across to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Okay, so if Jesus tells you, we're going to go to the other side, what does that mean? <laughs> we're going to go to the other side. All right? It means that there is another side that we, who he is talking to, are going to get to. Amen? Now, now, the part of the lake that they were crossing was about a five-mile stretch. That's like from here to what, Walmart or something like that? We're going to go to Walmart. Ready? All right? We're going we're to go from here. We're going to get to the other side, right? This is what Jesus said. Peter was in the boat. The homeboys were in the boat. They were out chilling with Jesus. All right? Jesus had a long day. I remember, fully man, fully God. All right? So he was a little tired. And they got on the boat and they start rolling across this lake, a pretty darn big lake. And Jesus, being a little tired, thought he'd take a rest. Which the boys are all of them rest. You know, maybe they, we got this. All right? We got this. Let them rest. But the, the scriptures say that this storm started to, to brew. 
And four of these dudes are, are, are well-tried uh, fishermen. They're used to the lake. They know what the lake looks like. I'm wondering if when they got in the boat and Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side, I'm wondering if they looked and said, wait, there's a storm coming over there. Are you going to say something? I ain't saying nothing. I ain't saying nothing. Just get in the boat. All right. And they started going. You know what I mean? There's a storm coming. Jesus tells us, man, I got you right here, right now, and I, and I, and I, got, I go and prepare a place for you, all right, if, and, and I'll be coming back to get you. Do you understand this? This is what he said. And so we are here, and he says, and you will be there with me, all right? But, but, but the only thing we focus on a lot of times is right here, and we, 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 we love the over there, and sometimes right here, we're no good right here because all we can think of is over there. There, but wait, there's a right here that needs to be dealt with. And we look at the hope, and we, we see the storms that are coming, and we're like, you know what? I really, really, that sounds really good. I'm just going to keep focusing on that. All right? That sounds really good, but here comes the storm. It's getting closer and closer. And sometimes it seems like Jesus is sleeping. Does it ever feel like he's sleeping? Anybody here right now care to admit that they think God just might be sleeping at your house? <laughs> Anybody? All right? We do. How many times did you say, God, where were you at on that one? Right? Hey, God said, Jesus said, look, we're going to go to the other side. We're going to the other side. Get in the boat. I'm going to kick back. I'm going to crash out for just a minute. All right? And let's go. And they did. And sure enough, you know, one of the fishermen, either Peter or James or John or Andrew, were saying that storm is getting close. All right? He told us to go over there, but shouldn't we just go over here? All right? Can we just go over here? Can we just make this where we land. And too many times that's what we do with our lives. We say, my house becomes my heaven. All right? My yard becomes my Eden. All right? And all these things start taking place. And we start to lose focus of where Jesus said, I want to get you to. But they did. They kept rolling. And the storm came. And it started to get crazy. I mean, water started plashing in the boat, splashing in the boat, started filling the boat up. And you know what? It's funny because nobody woke Jesus up when the storm started getting closer and closer. When it started raining, nobody woke him up. But they waited till it was time to freak out. In verse 38, it says, he was a stern, uh, uh, he was in the stern, he was asleep on a cushion, and they woke him, they said, teacher, do you not care that we're dying right here? Do you not even care? You're there sleeping. Help us get some of this water out, right? I mean, how many times do we freak out on God like he's not doing his job, and we say, hey, man, don't you care? Like our standards are way higher than his. I care about this and I'm just me. You should be all over this. Wake up. Jesus gets up. He doesn't even look at them. Homeboy looks at the wind. Jesus is not my homeboy, by the way. Don't get that twisted. Jesus is my king and my savior and my God. Don't get that wrong. All right? I don't agree with all that. But anyways, that's your thing. Don't make a deal. But anyway, he gets up. He doesn't tell the dudes, man, what's wrong with you? First thing he gets up, he looks at the wind. He says, you know what? Stop. Jesus rebukes 
Like, like, like there's something else causing the wind. Like, who does he rebuke? The enemy. He rebukes the enemy and anybody who's not like or not about the things of God. And so is the enemy in the wind? Did the enemy cause a storm? Who knows, man? But anyways, he gets up and he says, peace, be still, calm down. That's what Jesus did. Then he looked at the boys. I mean, imagine being in the boat. And he does this, right? Peter's there going like this. All right, Jesus says, be still. Boom, everything calms down. You guys are in the boat, we're all in the boat going, dang. He just did that, didn't he? And then you're not like, you're not wanting to make eye contact now. Because then he looks at you. Really? I can't get to sleep for 10 minutes. <laughs> right? And he looks at you. And he says this, why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? Jesus said, let's get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. I didn't say we were going to get on the freeway. I didn't say we're taking the back roads. I said, let's just go. All right? Know that I'm with you in the boat all the way there. Did you forget? Our faith isn't tested because God doesn't know how much or what kind of faith we have. I believe our faith is tested so that we can know if we got faith. Again, not all suffering is to test your faith, but all suffering will put your faith to the test, right? But I believe when God creates or allows or whatever, the testing, it's so that we need to see. It's that it comes at moments in our life. We need to check ourselves and say, where is your faith, homie? Where's your faith at? Where are you at? And it's for us so that we can know. I, 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 love, I'm, I love watching movies. I'm a huge movie watcher, all right? And, and uh, I, I love watching movies, and, and I'm, I'm, I nerd out on certain movies. The Marvel movies, I nerd out completely on Marvel movies, all right? So, and, and, uh, and then I love watching the Marvel movies because a lot of times a movie will come out, and it's like this amazing movie, and then later will come out a movie that took place before this, the timeline of this amazing movie. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and they call that the prequel or a prequel to this movie. Like, here comes this big movie. Boom, this is awesome. Well, now we're going to do a movie that, about that awesome movie before that awesomeness took place. You know what I'm talking about? And, and we love these prequels. Why do we love the prequels, all right, if, if we know that the hero's already going to win? Because we can watch those prequels and we can see, you know what I mean? It's getting crazy. And my, oh, is he going to make it? Or is she going to make it? Are they gonna, how are they going to overcome this? But we already know because we watched the movie that took place after the timeline of this movie. Hey, how do we, you know, why do we do that? Because we want to see not only will the hero, well, we, we, don't, we, we know that the hero is going to win, but we want to know what made them a hero. Right? We want to know what made them a hero, man. We want to know what tested his or her inner hero, you know, uh, qualities. What challenges did they have to overcome? What temptations did they walk away from you know, for the greater good? How was their weakness turned into strength? How was their testing? How did their testing develop who they were as a hero? If we love those stories, I'm trying to tell you, man, you're living that story right now. 
and live in the story that you love to watch, that you can't wait to see again, that you can't wait to see what's next. You, you're living the story, man. I believe that there's a faith hero in every one of you, and I believe God knows this. Jesus said he has given everyone a measure of faith. I believe there's a faith hero right now in front of every one of you. And that your current struggles are going to reveal that faith hero. Most of all, they're going to reveal it to you. And then hopefully to your children, to your spouses, to your parents, to your friends, and so on. Peter says, so that the testing genuineness of your faith, more precious uh, that perishes, more precious than gold that perishes, those tested by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. All right, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let me ask you this. What do you think God wants most from you? What do you think he wants most? Do you, you think he wants your money? Do you think he wants, you know, what, your, um, your, you to be a good person? Do you think he wants you to be in service? Every weekend, be in service. Do you think he wants you to make sure you're doing your Bible studies? He wants you to trust him. More than anything in the world, God just wants you to trust him. To trust him. When you trust God, your trust literally brings you to God. Do you understand? It doesn't bring God to you. He's already here. It brings you to God. There's all I want you to do. All right? I want you to ask, answer a question today. And I wanna, we're going to do a little quick exercise, but I want you to answer this question. I'll put it up there. Where in your life are you having the hardest time trusting God? Let's just put this to the test. I want you to, I want you to, to cry out or yell out. Or, I mean, you can if you want. You want everybody to know your stuff. It's up to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You probably should tell some man or woman of God so they can you know, hold you accountable. Um, but this is being recorded, so you maybe not, maybe not yell it out. Hey, who was that? All right. uh, <laughs> can you believe what they said? Where in your life are you having the hardest time trusting with God, trusting God? I want you to answer that question. Where is it for you? Think about it. For a long time, I had a hard time, and I had to admit it, trusting God with money. Trusting God with money. I had a hard time trusting God with people getting sick and illnesses. I had a real hard time with that, with trusting him in that. And God, you already told me to do? Okay, well, I want you to give more and I want you to pray more. That's what he told me to do. Where are, in your life, are you having the hardest time trusting God? I want you to, number one, name it. And then I want to put this little prayer up here. Are you ready? Here's this little prayer. I want you to ch I want to challenge you in this prayer right here. You're going you're gonna to name it, and then you're going to admit it. And we're going to pray this prayer right here, right now. And I want this simple little prayer to be your prayer through this week. And maybe even till, this, till God leads you to overcome this, 
this lack of trust area in your life. And maybe then he'll show you another area where you're having a struggle. So I want you to identify it right now. Ready? In your mind, just name it. And then we're going to pray this prayer together. And I want you just to fill in the blank as we pray. I will pray it out loud. And I'm asking you just to pray it in your heart, in your mind. This is just between you and Jesus. This is just between you and the Lord. This is between you, all right, and the sanctifying presence of his Holy Spirit in your life. Simple prayer. Are you ready? God, I have a real hard time trusting you with Father, please help me trust you with this. In Jesus' name, amen.